here right now. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for this time you've given us to come together as a group to hear you speak through the power of the Spirit, uh, the word spoken, not mine, but yours. We thank you for this time that we enjoy Sunday school. We, appre- we appreciate this time where we can gather together, and we give you praise and thanks for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, with all due respect, with all due respect, we, we do have Sunday school time now that's supposed to have started at 9.30, so we really do need to try to make sure that we're all in place and ready for that so we can get started on time and not have a lot of distraction. So I appreciate everyone understanding that and appreciate... I have no, no issues whatsoever with fellowship time, but we really want to make sure that we limit that and keep that to a minimum when it's time to start Sunday school. Thanks for everybody who was uh, with us for uh, spring break 2019 uh, over the last couple of days. We had a great time, and uh, we have already started talking about spring break 2020, and we appreciate the fact that uh, uh, we'll be getting together again for that again next year. Uh, probably shooting for some time in May. It really depends upon when Easter is. That's kind of what we try to go around, dodge around Easter Sunday and avoid that holiday. So we'll see how it goes. But we're already talking about spring break 2020. Um, we had a pretty good turnout, too. Uh, thank you for all those who came, and we hope that you appreciated the time of fun and fellowship as well as the time of learning that took place. Um, the Names of God is a wonderful study. Uh, it's a fantastic study. Um, and I think we gained a lot from that. Okay, back to Lesson 11. Let's go back and kind of circle back to where we were in the middle of the first page because we kind of got into it, and we were looking at, of course, we had the story about the puppy who hid because he didn't like the haircut that he had, and, and uh, even though we could see him, they, the puppy hid like uh, they couldn't see, uh, the people couldn't see the puppy. Um, but we wanted to go back and we looked at Genesis 16, verses 13 through 14, and we recognized that Hagar, when she went into the wilderness after having the scuffle uh, with uh, Sarah and uh, Abraham, Abram didn't do anything about it, uh, but yet at that point, even though there was all kinds of stuff going on there where everyone involved was out of the will of God, or in sin, God still showed himself to them and made himself present. I think that's the great takeaway when we look at Genesis 16. Um, God sees you, and he sees you where you are. And he sees you where you are, whether you are in his will or not. That's what we need to understand. That's what Hagar recognized, too, with that encounter at the spring that she had with God. Now, Hagar was told, you need to go back. You need to go back and fulfill your role as servant in that household rather than bickering and fighting and causing contention. And she recognized that God truly did indeed respond to her and saw her. And because of the fact that she was going to honor God, she would be the uh, person responsible for Ishmael and the many nations that followed after him. 
So let's look at a couple things. First of all, let's go back and look at three things today that make us feel like God isn't there or can't see us. Just as a pickup from where we were last time. The number one item on your handout you'll see in bold is shame. Shame. And we told you, I think last time we told you to circle the four action words the psalmist uses to ask God to remain with him and then underline the same words in the next paragraph. And we saw that the uh, action words the psalmist was using was about not hiding your face, don't turn away from your servant, um, do not leave me or abandon me. Those were the words that were key. When we feel like we're alone, we feel as though we are truly alone and abandoned. Amen? That's what we need to pick up here and understand. And this thing about shame has to do with what? What are we ashamed of? We're ashamed because what? We do something outside of the will of God. We sin. We transgress against his word. We act in selfishness. And what happens? It causes shame. The very thing that you look at in God walking in the Garden of Eden, looking at Adam and Eve, what happened in Genesis 3.8? Let's do a refresher and please go to Genesis chapter 3 and take a look at that. Genesis 3.8. Genesis 3.8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking, I'm reading from the ESV version, walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The man and the wife hid themselves. Well, they didn't have to hide themselves before, did they? They were way out in the open. But now you're hiding. Why were they hiding? They had sinned. And that sin had revealed something to them. Whereas before they were without sin, now the sin reveals something to us that we recognize as we move forward. And sin does what? It causes shame. Look at Genesis 3.10. Why did they hide according to Genesis 3.10? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Well, that's when God said, who told you you were naked? And understand something. This is what sin reveals. The, the state of sin does these things. Look exactly what he says in, again in verse 10. I was afraid. Sin creates this state in your life where before you were not fearful, but now you are. You're fearful of whatever can happen. In other words, you're fearful of punishment. You're fearful of God. You're fearful of repercussions, you're fearful of what the consequences might be. Whereas without sin, that was not an issue. So now fear comes into the picture. You recognize that you are naked. All the things that you do in your life are exposed. 
We're, not, we're talking about more than just the physical appearance of being naked, but now your whole life is naked now. It's all exposed. And of course, the root of that, what happens is that you wind up hiding. Hiding maybe physically, but certainly from a spiritual perspective. You're hiding. They hid because of sin. Amen? Before this event, the couple... I'm on page two now. Before this event, the couple didn't know they were naked. Their nakedness and failure made them feel ashamed. God asked who told them they were naked. Satan's goal is to make you feel ashamed and distant from God. So what you need to understand here is that these extra feelings that you experience in sin come directly from Satan. You are, it's the exact opposite of what God would have you to feel. God wants you to feel fellowship with him. He wants you to treat, he says, you know, he wants you to have a relationship that builds and grows. Satan wants to ruin that relationship where you have to hide from God not seek after God, not be prayerful to God, not have any kind of decent relationship, maybe even a dysfunctional relationship with him. We have all experienced people who have had dysfunctional relationships. Perhaps you have been in a dysfunctional relationship with other people in your family. Amen? Amen. Just about everybody can relate to that because dysfunction reigns in many households. And that's also a tool of Satan, by the way. And certainly Satan wants you to have a dysfunctional relationship with God himself. On again, off again, good, bad. Dysfunctional relationships are very tiring, aren't they? They can be all too consuming because you never know what to expect. Now remember, God never changes. We change all the time. So it's not about God's issue of this dysfunctional relationship that we have. It's because of our sin and because Satan uses us. Satan's goal is to make you feel ashamed and distant from God. Satan will condemn you. The Holy Spirit will convict you. What's the difference? Satan will condemn you. The Holy Spirit will convict you. What's the difference? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Anyone else to add to that? Say it again. Right. That's right. That's right. And yet the Holy Spirit does what? Reminds you that God does love you and gives you an opportunity to be restored with Him. If you all you do is say what? Lord, I'm sorry. 
One of the hardest things for some parents, including my dad, and this is not meant to be uh, in any way, because I love my dad, and my dad is, knows the Lord now, um, and is living it up in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Mm. Living it up. Um, but one of the toughest things he had, he was able, he did never said he was sorry. There's a lot of guys that fit into that category. Women too? Well, uh, Mrs. Gaines is offering the, uh, the women's point of view on that too. There are women that are also guilty of that as well too. I can only speak for what my, well, my mom didn't say much of anything, but my dad definitely didn't say I'm sorry. Um, yeah, that's the way they were raised. That's the way they understand things. So that's not meant to be a put down, but now we have an issue of the heart where if you genuinely did something wrong, how quickly are you going to fess up to it and own up to that? And that's what a lot of people who become to know the Lord have to understand, too, about that. Yes? Pain wants to push us to a conclusion. Yes. A result. And the Holy Spirit wants to push us to a resolution. Yes. Yes, it is. We want to blame the other person. We want to look at them yes. rather than at us. Mm-hmm. That's dysfunction, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what Adam did. He, he blamed God and Eve. Yes, he did. And instead of saying, <laughs> I did what I, what I should, have, should have done. That's right. In Genesis chapter 16, between Abram, Sarah, and Hagar, there was all kinds of <laughs> contention going back and forth in that discussion which was what we had discussed yesterday. And yet through all of that, though, God still showed himself, didn't he? Yes, go ahead, I'm sorry. I used to say to Paul before I met the Lord that I'm sorry you made me do that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> which would make me mad. Yeah, well, which would make, okay, yes. Now, we don't want to, we don't want to rekindle anything here. We just want to keep moving forward. We have to send y'all to the back somewhere. If you, okay, now. Uh, but, but that's an excellent point, though, that you just made. Typically, you wind up pointing fingers to everyone but yourself because Satan is very good at manipulation as well, too. If you are inclined to be manipulative, then Satan will push the right buttons to help you be the ultimate manipulator. The ultimate manipulator. Uh, and it won't make many friends, right? How would you describe the difference between condemnation and conviction? We kind of said it. The difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation means there's nothing that you can really do about that, but conviction means there is an opportunity, there is a hope where you will reconcile. God wants us to reconcile with him when we are in sin. Amen? He wants us to reconcile. The best way to understand that is as, as you grow and learn more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you learn more about his character, who he is, why he loves you, even though you might say, Lord, how can you love this? But yet he does. So a lot of this has a lot to do with with what we discussed this weekend. The more you learn more about 
the character of God, who He is, what He means to you, what your role is in His kingdom, in the body of Christ, the more you learn about Him, the more you will understand that He just wants you. He doesn't want you with any conditions. All He wants is you. He died on the cross for us, for you personally. And didn't need to get your permission to do it. He just did it. The more you learn about Jesus Christ, the easier it will be for you in that understanding of that relationship for you to seek after him and indeed reconcile with him. And frankly, we have to reconcile with him every day. Amen? Amen? Amen. We have to reconcile with God every day. Because of who we are in the flesh. Yes. This brings up a whole lot. Okay. And what the enemy wants us to do is look at the dirt on our roads. Absolutely. And what the Holy Spirit wants us to do is clean up the dirt on our roads. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing a study right now on forgiveness and restitution. Okay. People say, oh, would you forgive me? And then think that's over. Right. It's not. Mm-hmm. The thief has to make restitution. That's right. And and um, otherwise he carries it. Mm-hmm. And and I always say we, we get it backwards. We, we think restitution is for the is for the thief, and forgiveness is for and I mean forgiveness is for the thief, and restitution is for the victim. It's just the other way around. Right. Because right. Until until you make restitution, you carry it. There's a growth process even in the learning about how to reconcile. Some of us don't know how to reconcile. Have to learn how to do that. Some of us, you have to understand something. Some of us will say, I'm sorry from a worldly perspective, but not from a godly perspective. They'll say, I'm sorry just to get past the incident. But there's really no true effort to reconcile with God in that situation. That's what the world does. You have to learn more about this whole thing about reconciliation with God. Because the Holy Spirit, if he's truly working in your life, will convict you to do what is right. And make it right. And fix it. Which cleans it up. Which clean, that's, that was the, it cleans it up. It truly cleans it up. I mean, if a thief took $20 and reconciled with God and apologized, I'm oversimplifying this, the Lord says, okay, I forgive you. Now, do what's right. Give the person the $20 back. Times four. Well, times four. That's what the scripture says. Now, you know what? But, but let's, let's even add to that, though, Paul. You're, that's exactly right. But you know what? Sometimes folks don't even think about giving the $20 back. So even getting to the four times thing, you know what I'm saying? We have to, we have to be taught his word to understand that restitution sometimes is not just making that person whole from what you took from them. 
Isn't that right? I mean, even courts have things where if you write a bad check in Ohio, here's an example. You write a bad check in Ohio, there's a thing called treble damages. Treble damages means if you write a bad check in Ohio, let's say it's $100, it's going to cost you $300. Okay? So even in the law that we have in certain areas, if you do something you shouldn't do, it's going to cost you big time. So what's the lesson there? Don't write bad checks. Be honest about your money. Take care of your business. Seek the Lord in all things. And you know what? I'm still learning this stuff. This, this is nothing. Trust me when I tell you, I am far from an example. Okay? I can just tell you what the Word says. I can tell you what these lessons are all about. But we're all learning in our own way about things like this. Who had... Ed, did you have your hand up? Yeah, there's a cost. There's a cost. Um, one pass costs less. It's actually a benefit. Yep. It's actually an addition. Correct. The other pass is a subtraction. And yeah. in order to make that subtraction, mm-hmm. not only do you lose what you initially thought you were getting away with, mm-hmm. but in order to get back somewhat to where you were, yep. it can cost you anywhere from two times to three times four times mm-hmm. to a hundred times mm-hmm. to a thousand times mm-hmm. in order to get back to that one spot yep. that God may have had you at mm-hmm. right then and there. It's kind of like when somebody tells you a lie and it's the first time you've ever caught them in a lie. Mm-hmm. And you look at them and you see them for that particular point mm-hmm. and your relationship between the two of you has now changed. That's and right. no matter what you do or what they do from this point forward, that stain so is going to come into question. That's now, right. It doesn't mean that you don't love them anymore. But right. what it means is, is that you weigh everything that they say from this point forward based off that one thing. Well, I only lied one time, yet it's one time. Now take that same instance of how he said against God. The difference is, is, is that God says, I still love you. That's right. You made I'm the point. Take your stand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the difference is, is, is if we're to be more like God, that's the example that we should look at. That's instead right. Instead of, you don't have to help me on this because I'm trying to fix Instead of when somebody does something to us, we want retribution. Approaching it, approaching it from the worldly perspective. Okay. And, and that's a great point. You made the point that you understand there is a physical cost in some cases, but there's also a spiritual cost. You had your hand up. Okay. 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 Yep. Okay. Right. 
No. Right. Yeah, there's a there's a reparation that has to take pay, place in that relationship, isn't there? And sometimes that has to be the person who's been victimized to extend that olive branch to do that. Because what, what, what did Satan want you to do? Just never have any kind of communication with that person ever again. That's what, that's what Satan wants because of the shame that we're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Right. Right. Okay. Yes, sir. Okay. Okay. Before I get through with it, he said, oh, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. I said, look, I, all I want you to do is just listen to what I'm saying. And that's all I just want you to do. That's my testimony. I always said it before I Okay. That's good. Sometimes you recognize the Holy Spirit convicts you even when someone does something wrong to you on how you should respond. So this is excellent. This is, these are all great reminders for all of us in this place we call earth and living on how we're supposed to treat other people. You know, the whole theme that we should be having as disciples of Christ is what? To live in a Christ-like manner no matter what happens to you. No matter what's going on. And recognizing these points that we're making here as well, too, when we're encountering other people. You know, a lot of people that you're talking to when you're discipling them experience shame. And so you have to have sensitivity to be able to deal with that very issue when you're having that communication with them. So not only are you learning about yourself, you're learning also how to talk to other people about Jesus Christ. Yes. Yes, I think so. Absolutely. They're all, frankly, synonyms within the depths of what sin can do to you. Yeah. It's all in there, sure. Yes. That's exactly what Adam was saying. He knew he was guilty because he had gone against God's word. He knew that he was ashamed... Because that sin now put a whole new perspective on stuff that he didn't have before. And he was fearful of God because now we're talking about, I've just separated myself from him. He's holy, I'm not. And when you don't make it right with God, guess what? It's going to be that same thing over and over again until you figure it out. And God had to be the one to help Adam and Eve reconcile. 
because they didn't know how until it was demonstrated to them through the slaying of the animal and the clothing aspect. Okay. Yes. I want to... Yep. It talks about the tree of life, which is essentially what we're talking about here. Yeah. Is that um, before they uh, sin was committed, mm-hmm. there was no idea of what sin was. That's right. Because they had no knowledge. That's correct. Um, but now. There's a lot of credit for the sin, but in all honesty, when you really sit down and think about it, he provided the path. And then he let them down the path and then let them commit the offense. The question that I've always asked myself is, is, is that had neither one of them made that choice, what would the outcome then have been? So it's not always, well, so-and-so made me do that. No, so-and-so didn't make you do that. So-and-so gave you an opportunity to make a choice. Mm-hmm. You chose to do what it is you decided to do, which mm-hmm. resulted in the sin which is part of what happened with, with Adam. Adam was saying, you know what? If well, that is what happened. Uh, if yeah. you didn't do such and such and such, this, right. not, would have, this would not have happened. Right. Well, that means then at that particular point in time, what you're looking at is, is well, I made the choice based off of what, what happened to me. Mm-hmm. It was a bad choice. Mm-hmm. It's still you. That ain't got nothing to do with Satan. That ain't got nothing to do with God. That's got, mm-hmm. got to do with you. Mm-hmm. Now, in order to correct that choice, you got to go ahead and make another decision on what it is that you need to do, which means you need to listen to the reconciliation portion of it or what it is that God would have you to do, which then again is another path. Mm-hmm. But the tree of knowledge was the beginning of, when you go back to Genesis, it says, do not eat of this tree mm-hmm. for blah, 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 reason upon reason upon reason, mm-hmm. until they ate from the tree. They had no knowledge of what sin was. That's right. They never knew that they were naked. They never knew anything. So having said that, then they ate, then they knew. Mm-hmm. But what, we, what people don't understand, what comes, and basically what I got out of it is, what comes from knowledge is responsibility. Mm-hmm. And not just to you, but all of those that are around you. That's right. That was... Adam's situation mm-hmm. and also Eve's situation. That's what right. would have happened if Adam hadn't eaten from the, from, from the apple? Mm-hmm. It was still his responsibility. Yeah. His job was to cover Eve. He didn't do that. That's right. Now I'm gonna, he did, he did it the wrong yeah. way. I'm going to uh, assign you a, an official title. Your brother beat your junior because you went back to Genesis. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, let's move on. It's a proximity thing. I'm, I'm sitting close. Uh, yeah, that's, that's part of it, yes. All right. Good discussion, everybody. Note, I'm at the part where it says MG on the handout at the top of page two. Note this distinction as expressed by Jesus. Look at John 3, 15 through 19. It's, I, I have it in the King James Version on the handout. You can actually read from the handout. That soever, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. 
He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Now, we typically spend a lot of time with John 3.16. And by itself, John 3.16 does speak about what God will do. But we also need to look at the verses around John 3.16 and understand what the reason is for Jesus coming to earth was, which was the plan, by the way, from the beginning. From the beginning. Because of the fact that Adam and Eve trusted their own fleshly desires rather than being obedient to God. He knew, God knew, well in advance that we would need to have a Savior. Amen? Amen? Some of y'all are comatose today. It must be the lack of coffee or there wasn't enough to eat. I I I can't speak to that, but... John 3, 15 through 19 gives you a very clear indication as to why Jesus did what he did. We like darkness. To summarize it, we like sin. Fleshliness leads us to do sinful things. We are condemned before God because of this sin. And there's nothing that we can do about it except for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross for us. As long as we believe in him. Did you see what it says here? Those who don't believe are already condemned. You know why? Because you already were in sin. You're already separated from God. You don't have a reconciliation path as Ed was talking about. Unless you just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a very clear statement. And because we're condemned, we don't have that path, but it's the Holy Spirit through the power of Jesus Christ that convicts us to not just get saved, but continually seek the Lord when we do mess up. And we mess up a lot. Amen? We mess up a lot. Shame does not come from God. Shame comes from Satan, who wants you to not... Look, if Satan is making an effort to destroy you, he doesn't want you to live a life of happiness in Christ. Is that a fair statement? He wants to disrupt your spiritual life. He wants you to live in constant dysfunction. Constant dysfunction. Before we became believers in Christ, where were we? We were condemned. We were condemned. You might be going through your life thinking everything is cool, everything is easy breezy, everything is happy, but things really weren't. You knew something was missing in your life. There's this one thing in our life, in our souls, that can't be filled with carnal things, but Christ fills it for us through the power of the Spirit. 
we recognized that we needed Christ to fill that void for us. He has to be the one to direct us. He has to be the one to teach us. He has to be the one to bring us back to him. That's what we have to recognize here. Yes. beginning it's just the starting point and we can we can learn and learn and learn and learn and learn mm-hmm. but if we do not do what it says yeah what's the point that's right and you know it says if you see your brother going wrong and do nothing mm-hmm. your brother's on your hand that's exactly right so, so that's in leviticus by the way just read it too we know that yeah but do we do it right it says if somebody has ought against you yeah That's right. And we learn that, but do we do it? You know, I, at the Hope Church, the Hope Family Church in North Canton, I had the privilege of speaking there, and they asked me to do the communion Sunday, and I'd never done that, and I was kind of afraid of that. You know, that's a big responsibility. And when I, I talked about um, judging yourself rightly before you partake, mm-hmm. and I said, if you have art against somebody, you need to straighten that out before you take And then I stopped talking for five minutes. Never said a word. And people got up and went crossways weeping. People got on the telephone calling people. So my point is we have to, we have to do what we learn. Mm-hmm. We can't just be hearers of the word. We've got to be doers of the That's word. That's right. Everything you're saying is correct. What do we do in an hour, Paul? You know, you're talking about tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. Yeah. We talk about lying. Okay? Yeah, that's right. I'll tell you what. When, when, uh, when the Lord says to you, hey, you just lied to that person. They called and said, is my will ready? I said, oh, yeah. Uh, I just haven't printed it out yet. Why? Okay. I had to call that person and say, I've got to ask you to forgive me. They said, why? I said, I lied to you. Okay. You do that a few times, you quit lying. Yeah, that's right. Well, this is an ongoing learning process for all of us about really truly being obedient to God's Word. That's something that we have to understand that the Holy Spirit is patient because He loves us without condition. That's the hardest thing for a lot of people to understand. He loves us unconditionally because he knows we mess up all the time constant but thankfully that he loves us in that way that gives us the ability because we understand this love that we desire to learn more about who he is build upon understanding the character of God having a greater understanding and desire to want him to teach us more through the spirit That's the great thing that we have in this relationship with the Lord. And he will take your dysfunction, but hopefully, if you are patient with him as he teaches you, you will learn to be less dysfunctional. Yes, go ahead. 
not uh, do. Yeah. But sometimes uh, I think the other piece of that is people don't know what that looks like. They don't know what it looks like. So yeah. Should be coming alongside of people. That's right. And being vulnerable enough to say, I either have this issue or mm-hmm. I can help you navigate this. That's or, right. You know, maybe you know, maybe it's a coworker and she's just there with her budget. That's and right. That's right. You know, you can, you know, come alongside and say, girl, you know, let's, let's get together and look at this, this budget or whatnot. Yeah. Sometimes people just don't know what They don't know what to do. Right. What it looks like to, That's right. to, you know, be the leader of the house and, and what that looks like to them now. Because, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. I'm the man, you know, I'm, you know. I'm yeah, the I know, leader. yeah. The bravado thing, well, yep. Right. We, yes. Absolutely. That's right. That's what discipleship is all about. You learn from your personal experiences, you can share with other people how to fix things, do make things right. And you have the power of Christ in your life to help with that. All right, we're going to stop here because that's a good stopping point. We got through about a page and a half, not even a page and a half. But the lesson today is what? We learn about what Satan does to us to keep us from having a healthy fellowship with the Lord. And we need to trust that God knows exactly what he's doing in our lives and take that instruction and take that guidance from him. Through the power of the Spirit. Amen? Amen? Father, thank you for this time you've given us to come together as a group. We thank you for how the Holy Spirit speaks to us and teaches us. We just thank you, Lord, for how you convict us. Help us to know where we need to make changes. Help us to know where we need to reconcile with others. Help us to understand that your word gives us the guidance and the guidelines to help make those things work. Lord, we just have to trust you. We have to trust you in those things. We have to trust you today, now, and going forward. That you will help us along and make things right with us and for us. We pray now for the upcoming message and the speaker. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time.